0: Shut up, and sit down. When the Wind Blows, a disruption of the educational status quo, hosted by Aaron Barnes.
1: And now, Aaron Barnes! All right, and welcome back to the show. We are so excited uh, to get to bring engaging guests. That's that's you. You're an engaging guest today, uh, Mr. Hunt. But engaging guests, uh, and and just thoughts and and processes that we kind of uh, develop and uncover all the time. Today's conversation is about. Evaluating last year. So welcome back to When the Wind Blows. Uh, guests, listeners, and and Mr. Hunt, welcome back to the show. You were on here last year and your episode was pretty darn popular. Did you I don't know if you ever listened to it I even. Had, I did listen to
0: it, but I had no idea it was popularity
1: now. Yeah, uh, people enjoyed what you had to say. Maybe it was the the idea that we were um, not in this kind of format we were we were together and and uh you could hear the clinking of glasses or something but uh but people enjoyed it so welcome back and um so we heard from you last year we know who you are and what your role is but how about um tell me what got you in education in the first place like why on earth did you go down this road uh, yeah
0: that's that's a great question and man when you you know Sidebar here is the topic of this is evaluating last year. To think that this, that I was sitting here, not here, but sitting here doing this podcast with you 365 days ago, it seems like an eternity. Um, so it, it, last year it seemed a little bit like a marathon. But um, anyway, my my path into education, um, from what I can remember, I, I had a teacher in sixth grade the year I felt like she was constantly picking on me um constantly uh, I couldn't do anything right to to satisfy her and I can always remember going back home to my parents and saying you know she just everything I do she just doesn't like me blah blah blah. and and you know as I progressed out of that sixth grade into seventh grade I realized that she just wanted what was best for me she had higher expectations of me than I had for myself um, and it you know I always say for for me to be um, that mature at such a young age to see that is is probably a little bit unique um, but then I had a fantastic math teacher in seventh grade who not only was he um, great at math and, and great at what he did but first and foremost was relationships and you know I'm, I'm a firm believer in relationship building and fostering and maintaining as well and um, but he, he developed amazing relationships, um, with us as seventh grade kids. And I think that's where I became, um, you know, a a huge fan or, or passionate about math. So that's kind of my teaching experience was, I feel like my sixth grade teacher showed me what it was to actually care about somebody and to be able to, um, hold people to a line and have high expectations. And that encouraged me to, to go into teaching, um, teaching children, teaching students. And then, you know, my subject area was math. And I think that the impression that my seventh grade math teacher had on me um, was why I chose that route.
1: Interesting. And now you've got me evaluating because as you were telling me the sixth grade story, I was like, oh, yeah, I've got one of those people, too. But I did not think that maybe she had my best interest at heart. I Plus, we were probably vastly different. I, I was probably an extra grace required kid. Uh, my ADD and talkativeness uh, and personality requires some extra grace sometimes. And so I know that. So I'm going to reevaluate my ideas of that teacher um, in my head. But I really like where you went with that because it's a whole mindset thing. You could have been in my mindset and thought, this teacher hates me. This is just the way it is getting through this year. But you were like, this teacher hates me. Or does she? And I think that that's super spectacular.
0: Yeah, actually, we crossed paths, you know, years down the future. Um, Even when I was uh, at at a completely different school, her daughter actually taught at the school I went to. And and we had those conversations of, you know, no, I didn't hate you. I just knew you could do better than you were and you could be a better kid than you were. So I think, you know, that's a testament to we all go through our hurdles and, we all, you know, go through our, our times of, of um, delicacy and, and uh, it's just part of life.
1: Yeah. So as I'm thinking through this topic, evaluating last year, and, and we can go personal, we can go global, um, but remember that the audience are students, parents, teachers, and then the people you lead, you know, essentially. So I'm thinking like, We build understanding through experience, right? We experience the world and then we, we have to think about the things that have happened so that we can go out and make better or more informed decisions. Um, the process of reflection helps us to develop, uh, to develop our intuition basically. And so the, the list of questions I've got are questions that I've used over the past couple of years. Um, they've been refined a few times, but I kind of want to just talk through them with you and see how you could speak to each of those groups uh, and, and how maybe even you evaluate uh, how, you, how well you did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going
1: to give them my best shot. Okay. So the first question is, what kinds of questions do you ask yourself when you are truly trying to evaluate the ups and the downs of the year? Like what is your, what's your flow?
0: Uh, I think, you know, for me, it's being in nurture. I, I wear a lot of my emotions on my sleeve. So what I try to stay out of is who was upset and who wasn't because, you know, ultimately what a lot of people don't understand um, is, you know, decisions that we make um, at the executive or, or senior level aren't popular no matter what they are. Um, you know, any decision you you can bank on 50% of the people being okay or happy with it and 50% of the people being dissatisfied with it and you just kind of have to roll with the punches. So for me, it's, I try to find anything measurable, um, that I can, that could point to, you know, did it work or did it not. Um, and ultimately, uh, my, my vision first and foremost is not on the adults, it's on the students. So, um, while the decision may be tough and not be beneficial for adults, if I can prove through hopefully some sort of measurement that it was beneficial for students, that's why I'm here. Um, every decision I make and everything that I evaluate and all the reflective pieces that I try to incorporate and go through have to deal with um, what's in the best interest of the students. And if it wasn't, um, then we need to pivot and do something else And if it was. Um, then I need to find a way to defend that and make sure that, that we maintain that and be consistent with that philosophy of what's in their best interest.
1: I love that. I've always been students first, teachers second, admin third. And so if any way I can protect students and teachers, I'm going to regardless of how much work it puts on me. Yep. So two questions in, in particular I like to ask myself in a project, at the end of the year, at the end of a season, um, what are you avoiding, and what are you focusing your energy on? And so, as you're, so you've wrapped up last year. What are some things that you put just laser focus on, and what are some things that maybe uh, in hindsight you you possibly avoided in in your approach?
0: Yeah, so I think my laser focus this year would be anything that is related to making sure we have a good start to the school year. Um, You know, the first impression is important. Um, If we don't start off on the right foot, um, you know, then things can snowball and, and, you know, we're being reactive more than we're being proactive. So right now the laser focus is on trying to be as proactive as much as possible to make sure that the, the first of the year... Um, starts like it should and starts smooth, as smooth or smoother, hopefully, um, than last year. You know, last year we had a lot of system changes. At this point, um, this year, while there are still some changes because we've just now gone through um, the new, all our new system changes for one full year. We've opened the year, we've gone through mid year, we've closed the year. Um, so now we're starting our second year um, with everything that we changed, and um, you know, so just trying to make sure that we learn from our mistakes trying to make sure that we don't repeat any of our mistakes as much as possible. Um, that's what my laser focus is on, on this year. And then, you know, unfortunately, you know, what, what am I avoiding? Um, this, this role, this position, this organization comes with a lot of conflict, comes with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, confrontations, negativity, you know, at, at all levels. And ultimately all we're trying to do is what's in the best interest of the student. So oftentimes i find myself, um, you know, avoiding some of those conflicts or some of those confrontations and focusing more on, um, my wheelhouse, so to speak, and my passion. And that's, you know, like I keep saying, making sure the students are taken care of as much as we can and doing what's best for them for not only the present, but more importantly, their future. Um, and I, I, you know, I think, that's probably, I don't want to say that's a cookie cutter answer, um, especially at my position because, you know, and, and those parents that are listening and those teachers that are listening um, probably know that a lot of times the only time that they get directed to me or that we speak is due to a conflict. Um, and while I find that very unfortunate, um, I do embrace that and I do, I do pride myself in uh, making sure I listen to all conflicts and all issues and, and making sure we can move forward as a team for the student. Um, and like I've been saying in their best interest.
1: Okay. So I'm, as I'm thinking um, about uh, how you could answer this for each group, put yourself back in sixth grade, Justin Hunt position, right? You just finished a school year in the EPIC model. Okay, so I'm changing all kinds. We're in a fantasy world right now. (laughs) What are some questions you might ask yourself um, about how the school year went and what you want to do for next year?
0: So what
1: would my, what would the sixth grader want to ask the adult? No, what would you ask yourself? So, okay. And I mean, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, I ask my kids. Regularly, Okay. Let's talk about this. Let's reflect on this. What worked, what didn't. And one of the things my oldest did, um, is she was like, you know, I, I'm not going to get behind this year. Uh, she felt like she was playing catch up and it's funny cause she's like, I know what I have to do. I really don't want you to tell me what I have to do. I was like, well, <laughs> I didn't want to have to tell you what to do either, obviously. I wanted you to do it. And so one of the things she's talked about is she's going to keep uh, an agenda, which was a suggestion of mine. (laughs) Sorry, I was looking out here. It was a suggestion of mine, and I bought her one, but she didn't use it, and that's fine. Uh, She thought she had what worked best. But So if if you had just finished your sixth grade year, what are some things based on what – I mean, you had like an enlightening moment that year of – knowing that the teacher did have best interests, what would you ask yourself um, having just finished a year at Epic?
0: Um, I mean, I think that i do the best that I could in everything that, that uh, was put in front of me, as well as time management. Did I manage my time as best I could? Um, you Because know, I, I think it's different now for, for our kids and for the kids in this generation than it was for us. We, we didn't have as many distractions. I feel like kids today have so many distractions, whether it be, um, you know, social media or technology um, or, or, you know, even what's going on socially. I think social problems are, are a bigger deal now than they were, um, you know, when, when I was a kid. So was I focused on the main thing? Did I keep the main thing the main thing? Um, or was I allowed to be to be distracted with, with all things outside? I think that's, those are a few things that I would ask myself.
1: So, um, and I'm just thinking about self again, uh, but one of the things I've, I'm probably going to have to teach my own kiddos as a parent who's now, uh, helping out my epic kiddos is we have scheduled everything in one hour blocks around here. Let's do an hour of ELA. Let's do an hour of math. Let's do an hour. Of, but if that hour comes to an end and we haven't completed it, we have to find a way to add more time to that. But also if that hour comes to an end and you finished 30 minutes ago, it's that social media time. It's easy to pull up YouTube. It's easy to pull up TikTok and kind of dive into that world and realize, "Oh my gosh, now I'm 10 minutes into my next hour." And it's it like you said it snowballs. Um so one yeah. of the things we're doing around here um is we're going to start scheduling in 30-minute increments. And maybe changing up a little more, um, I'm going to just say that I probably gave my kids some of their attention issues uh, <laughs> through um, the, the things that they've inherited from me. And so, um, you know, it's, it's all an experiment, honestly, on how to get it done and finding the best recipe for your household but i think we're going to start working in 30 minute increments and then dividing up that time and coming back to if we need to uh versus hour and then uh kind of squandering 15 to 30 minutes of a day on social media versus having that time you know at the end of the day i don't know yeah absolutely
0: for the really shot i mean <laughs> yeah. You know, if it doesn't work to pivot and what
1: happens and reevaluate yes no I, so I'm super flexible um, because I've been in this world for like 11 years but what what would you give parents as advice so they just finished their school year they' thinking like what should we do how should we you know move forward what kind of advice are you going to give the parents in this model well,
0: I mean I think the first piece of advice was you have to you have to a schedule um, you know it can't be law laissez fair and um, you know one of the things that I always tell people is, you know, the virtual model isn't for everybody. We want it to be for everybody, but ultimately it's not. I don't know that it would have been for me as a kid. Um, I don't know that I had as a, as a youngster um, with two working parents, especially um, I don't know that I had enough self awareness to, to, to do this um, even as a young adult. But uh, so time management, have a schedule um, and man, a relationship with your teacher. Um, have to have a relationship with your teacher. That you have to be partners. You have to be teammates, um, and then have an awareness of who your principal is too. Uh, we want to build relationships with our families. Uh, we want to be a team. That's the whole vision and mission of, of this school that we call Epic. Is you know the triangle relationship that the, we're all in this for the same reason, and that's for the betterment of the student. Um, and if, you know, if you don't have a relationship with your teacher, then statistics show your students not going to be success- that's successful, but the flip of that is the same. Teachers need to have relationships with their families, and, and we promote that as much as possible. We, we strongly encourage that. We, I want to say, require that, um, and the same goes for principals. We all have to be in it for the same reason, um, and if we're not, there's an issue, and we need to address that issue, so I would say time management, have a schedule, establish and maintain a relationship with the school um, but most importantly is that teacher that um, is responsible for guiding your student um, through these OAS standards that that we need them to learn well
1: and that's another I mean if you're we're just talking flexibility and change these OAS standards are the Oklahoma academic standards and they're being refined regularly I mean we're getting we're yeah. getting ready to implement a whole new kind of framework that the, the state department has said, Hey, we've refined these. It's time for you to pick up on this too. So being flexible enough to, um, to be open to some of that is necessary.
0: Absolutely.
1: So say we got to the end of the year and I mean, it's just my first year here. Uh, it did not go how I thought. I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not I should re-enroll how would you guide a parent to know whether they're on the right path with Epic? What kind of questions do you ask to know if this is the model, should I continue another year? Um, You know, I want it to be, I do, but last year was rough. How how do you guide somebody to know if they're on the right path here?
0: Man, I would ask what the, what the rough parts were. What, what about this? What about the previous year or your first year? Did, you know, did you not like, and then, you know, can that be changed with, you know, I think if it's a matter of, well, I can't, I just can't stay on top of my student enough for them to to be able to get through the, through the work like they should. Well, you know, that might, this might not be the model for them, you know what I mean? But if it's more of a, well, there's just so much change, you know, I don't like always being in the news or something like that. I would say just be patient with it. You know I mean? Unfortunately, a lot of our changes are due to um, some of our critics. From the outside that regulate us and change our guidelines and um, try to um, try to adjust some of the things that um, they require us to do or to achieve. Um, so what I would say, to, basically I would listen first and that's, that's what I always do when an issue comes up or when I receive a parent con- phone call is, is listen and I would ask that parent to, you know, discuss their issues with me, and, and we can talk through them individually because they're going to be different for everyone. Um, and I think that's that's important when resolving any conflict as well as any issue. Um, and you know, like I said a few minutes ago, I'm I'm not going to push this model on anyone that doesn't think it's not for them, um, because you know it's not for everybody, and, and we can make that we can have that discussion together
1: and figure out if it, if it is the right fit. What if... And I'm, I'm just thinking through conversations I've had. Uh, I've had families that are like, I want to do this again, but I don't like the curriculum that you helped me choose. I would like to maybe try a different curriculum. How, I mean, how many times do you change the curriculum before you think maybe it's not the right way to go? And And I part of me says you've got to experiment a little bit because shoot uh, what worked for my kids finally was edgenuity this year it's lecture based you can change the color scheme it just worked and it was the first year we've done edgenuity and we've been here for 11 so uh, you know how much do you experiment with what you're doing before you decide it's not before you throw in the towel
0: um you know yeah. Any time, I, I i would caution folks from changing mid year um but you know at the, at a year's end um, I think that you know two changes over the course of two years and if, if the third one isn't isn't a good fit then then maybe the virtual curriculum is not for you um I will say one of the things that the, um our data team has done this year is created uh, some reports and some data on and statistics on what curriculums work best based on state test results and based on benchmark results. Um, and it's very eye-opening. You know, you would think it would be very close, uh, positives and negatives, but you know, there there are a few curriculums that outperform others to a great deal, and then there are some that you know, while they may not be great for, uh, you know a certain subset of students, they might be great for those students that need the accommodations and, and that might be in special education. So we've tried to break that down as much as possible. I think, um, you know, there's there's going to be a piece that comes out to parents, um, if it hasn't already, to, to show some of those results, to to educate those. And we've already got them in the hands of our teachers. Um, so our teachers and our principals are equipped um, with those results to be able to not necessarily direct parents to a specific curriculums per se, but it would be ignorant of us to not show parents what curriculums they have to choose from perform better um, to, to give them that information to choose their curriculum. Absolutely. So, um, I'm really excited about that.
1: I don't think it's been shared, but I think it has been screenshotted because people are starting to to have conversations like that in the parent Facebook group. Uh, Somebody said, "Uh, is this true, Erin, about, you know, one of the curriculums today? And I was like, actually, yes, it is true based on historical data. Yeah, that's but it's true for a specific group of kids. Like you just said, you might not put uh, student A in curriculum C because student A needs curriculum A. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. So, um, let's talk about like setting, are you a goal setter? Do you set goals for yourself, for your family, for your, your team?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I think everybody should, right. I should do a better job of, of the goal planning and the goal setting, but, but yeah, absolutely.
1: So how do you, how do you set goals? Um, and, and then how do you help, maintain those goals and, 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 reach those goals.
0: Yeah. So I think in terms of setting goals, initially, you have to make sure that they're quote unquote smart goals They have to be measurable. They have to be obtainable. Um, um, and I think, you know, what, what a lot of people um, struggle with is understanding that most goals can't be climbing huge mountains. You know, you got to go one step at a time. You got to, you know, achieve a small baby step before you get to the peak. You know, you can't just jump right up to the peak. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong and get, um, maybe a little dissatisfied with themselves or even with an organization that you, you know, you didn't jump to the peak the next year. So small baby steps, small incremental baby steps, um, improvement and growth, um, and, and just making sure, especially in this uh, profession or organization, um, you know, a goal that anybody has in this organization is going to affect a ton of people and especially children. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're not just something you throw on the wall and hope you hit with a dart. Um, you know, we're affecting lives each and every day here. So, um, these are very important goals and then just, making sure they're a consistent part of the conversation, you know, on, on a monthly basis, if it's a yearly goal. And a lot of times we have monthly goals and making sure that, you know, those stay in conversation uh, because what's measurable gets done. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what we try to achieve. So, and then I think, you know, when you don't achieve a goal, making sure that, that you don't get sucked into the vortex of failure and, you know, like this podcast is titled reevaluate what went right, what went wrong um, and move forward with um, another goal. Maybe it's the same goal or, you know, making it a little bit more tangible. Maybe it was too big of a goal.
1: So along that line, and, and this is not in the show notes, I'm hitting you off. I'm chasing a squirrel here. Um, I've, I've seen some feedback on the aspirations not being measurable. How do you measure uh, future ready? How do you measure world leader? And in my head, as as I see these things, I'm thinking, well, those are aspirations. They're not goals. And um, I think that having those plastered on the wall, those aspirations is super exciting to me. And and as we're coming up with goals for the year, saying, hey, you know what? I think this goal would make us a future Ready student. I think this goal would definitely help us support the community. Um, and so if there are any people out there listening um, and, and you have thought about the aspirations not necessarily being measurable, like Mr. Hunt is suggesting, um, I... I don't know this isn't a PSA or anything, but I just like how I just, I really love the aspirations um, for the purpose of goal setting. I think that um, they aren't necessarily the goal, but they're things that we can set goals from. Um, and on that note, how do you know if you're, how do you know if you're hitting the mark on that goal, like how, if you're if you're setting it up right, you've made it measurable. What if you hit fifty percent? Is that enough? Is the growth enough to celebrate, or is that not hitting the goal?
0: Well, I mean, so for me, any growth is great. So it would be it'd be dependent on what that actual goal was, but you know, um, and and also, I I'm a firm believer in um, keeping goals somewhat the same over multiple years. So give yourself two to three years with a certain set of goals, unless there just needs to be a huge pivot. That way, you know, maybe year one, you only achieve 50% and then you can keep that same goal in year two and you hit 75, let's celebrate. Okay, we, we improved upon that. Um, and then to piggyback on your aspiration statement, I think what I see is aspirations are a direction that the organization is going. And so then you would have an aspiration number one and then a bullet subsets under aspiration number one would be multiple goals that are going to get you to that direction, um, which would be aspiration
1: number one. I really like that. Um, Have you ever found yourself, uh, you know, you're halfway through the school year, you've got a team who's following you. Have you ever found yourself hindering your team's experience or you being the roadblock and how did you decide whether you were the roadblock and how, how do you remove yourself? Not necessarily, cause you're, you're the leader. I mean, you you know, you've got to stay leading the team, but how do you decide if you're being a roadblock and what do you do when you find that out?
0: I think I, I, I and I hate to be answering this question because I, I feel like I would like for the team to just come on and, and, you know, I'm, I'm that vulnerable when it comes to, to being, um, a leader, you know, um, we're, we're, we're a community, we're a family. Um, and, you know, fortunately for me, um, I've been put in a position to, to lead that group of individuals, um, and to, you know, to be the conduit to where they message things to, to Bart or the organization in a, in a, in a uh, organized way. So, um, I'm not a micromanager. I'm not, you know, it's not my way or the highway. If if I I try my hardest to do the job of if I say no and that comes with resistance, well then let's discuss it because maybe there's something I'm missing. You know, my answer is not the end all answer unless we've had a discussion and I've decided, you know, that's that's the answer that needs to come up with. But um, you know, it's it's not hard fast. Um, decisions with me because I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the, uh, I'm not always the expert in the room. And that's, you know, I, I told my team today Mm -hmm. during our meeting that I I need them. I can't, I can't do this by myself. This is, this is our instructional department. This is our organization. um, And they're in the position they're in because I need them. We need them. The organization and these students need them.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. Uh, and then I'll let you have your day and I appreciate your time so much, but it's a deep one. It's a hard one. What's what's the hardest truth you've ever uncovered during a reflection or a moment of reflection? The
0: hardest truth that I've ever uncovered. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't like to be wrong, <laughs> um, but oftentimes I am, uh, both personally and professionally. <laughs> um, so I think it's it's always difficult to be wrong. I think that's human nature. Um, so anytime that arises, you know, I think the first um, instinct for, for every human being is to defend themselves. Um, and, you know, I think we need to defend less and less and more. Um, because you know, like I said, just because you're in a position doesn't mean you have all the answers and you have all of the expertise. Um, you know, you might have been chosen for that position because um, you work well with others, and that's that's why you're in the position you're in. So um, that would be the hardest truth. Is, is just any any time that um, you know maybe there's been a decision made um, and it was wrong, um, or you know, especially um when you're redirected, you know, by a supervisor or by a bar. And I almost say that that happens very often, but um that's difficult for any human. And so that's, you know, it's it's difficult to be wrong and that's probably um the hardest truth.
1: I am so appreciative of you, uh because what I what I find with you is that you really are open to that pushback. Um and I don't find you doubling down on a bad decision. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, because you are open to that communication, um, and and, I mean, in all honesty, I've I've seen you right more than you're wrong for what (laughs) for what it's worth. Um, But I I just appreciate that you're not trying to double down because you're the boss. And um, anyway, I just wanted you to know that.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. It's not about power to me. It's about doing what's in the best interest. Um, you know, and I talked about that in the beginning, and that's that's what I pride myself on, and that's how I make decisions. Is like you mentioned, students and then adults. And um, I think you know, the higher the higher you get, it's probably got to be students, the organization, um, just for the for the position that we're in. Under a microscope, it seems yes. in, in all things, um, and then adults. So
1: no, you're totally right. Uh, because students are what matters first. But if we're gonna continue to last you're right we have to make sure the organization is healthy absolutely well thank you very much for your time i enjoy uh talking to you anytime i get a chance tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world